Shalom. This is Gary Durashinsky, Congregational Leader of Beth Ariel Messianic Congregation. Thank you for downloading our message. We're delighted to make it available to you through the generous donations of our members and friends at Beth Ariel. We know that many are struggling financially because of the challenges facing our economy, and we do not want financial issues to keep anyone from enjoying our teachings. So please continue to listen in as often as you like. But if our presentations have been beneficial to you, and you are able to provide a financial donation to Beth Ariel, whether large or small, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift in support of our ministry? You can donate online through our website at bethariel.org. That is spelled B-E-T-H-A-R-I-E-L dot org. Also, please remember to pray for us that we would be responsive to the Lord's guidance as we reach out to the lost sheep of the House of Israel in the greater Los Angeles area. Thank you, and I hope you enjoyed this message. Anyway, it's a great pleasure to be with you again at Beth Ariel Messianic Congregation. It's always a delight to see old friends and even older friends. Bob and I go back to high school days. I'm not talking about relative ages. I'm talking about how long we've known each other. But And it's always a pleasure to see many of you whom we've met before and also some that I never have. And we are thanking God for what he's doing at Beth Ariel. Um, I'd like to just take a moment to ask God's blessing as we open his word, and I'll share briefly from uh, Psalm 67, and then talk about some of the things that the Lord is doing in the land. So let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you and we bless you that you are a great and good God, that you have redeemed us by your grace through the blood of your Son, Yeshua, and you've given us life in him to know you and to walk with you, Father, in this world. We bless you, Father, that you are constantly giving to us. And even this morning we ask that you would, again, bless us with your goodness, Father. Teach us from your word. Encourage us as we walk with you, Lord, that we might see how faithful you are to your promises and how you are actively working in the lives of all those who you've called your own. We bless you, Father, and we thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. You know, um, today, um, if you go most places around uh, the Western world, and I'm sorry to say probably in the United States as well, and you start talking about Israel, you're liable to get people looking at you a little askance. Oh, Israel, isn't that the apartheid state we hear about? All the different kinds of reportings that go on in the news media and the way in which the world is framing the Middle East situation brings about a situation that very few people would actually say a word of blessing concerning Israel. Uh, maybe the opposite might be true, and that's a sad situation because, of course, God chose our people to be blessed in our land in order that we might be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. And so by opposing or not blessing God's people, Israel, the world is in fact operating against God himself. And that's why God gave his insurance policy in Genesis 12, 3, I will bless those who bless you and those who curse you I will curse, for in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. God gave an insurance policy, I'll bless I'll give positive reinforcement to those who do good to my people, and I will give negative reinforcement to those who do evil to my people because he wants all people to 
ultimately inherit the blessing that Israel was chosen to bring into the world. Now, I know that at the end of most Messianic services, we often uh, recite the Aaronic benediction. And I check, Bob's going to do it at the end. So I won't reread it, and you guys have heard it many times before. But I want to turn with you just briefly to Psalm 67, which is a kind of drush based on the Aaronic benediction. And you'll immediately hear the language um, and I just say one thing is that um, there is a, a little bit of, um, of uh, flexibility in the language of this psalm. Um, and so translators always have a difficult time knowing when to translate something as a simple future and when to translate it as something which is a, a, a wish or a, uh, a request. So we'll work through it briefly. I'm just going to read it from the, uh, this is the translation you have in the, in the racks in front of you. Um, it's got bigger writing than mine, and at my age, I need all the help I can get. So um, in uh, Psalm 67, uh, beginning in verse 1 in the English, and I'm going to, well, I'll read it. May God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all the nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you will judge the peoples with righteousness and guide the nations on the earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. This short psalm takes the ironic benediction and makes it very personal. No longer is it the priest who's standing before the gathered congregation blessing the people, but rather it's the people, it's us, calling on God, do what you promised to do. But not just because we're seeking the blessing, but because of what that blessing on us as a people is intended to bring about. Um, the, the first verse should actually start with the word may. It's a, it's a wish. It's a request. May God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. This is straight out of the Aaronic benediction, kind of compressed taking three key phrases from the, um, from the psalm or from the, uh, the blessing and bringing them together as a call for God to do what he's always promised to do. But in verse 2, he immediately turns to the purpose. Why are we asking for this blessing from you, God? It's not because we want it for ourselves, but because we want your purposes to be fulfilled. God had said to Abraham, I'll bless you and make your name great, and then in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So the blessing on Israel was intended to bring blessing to the entire world. Let me just, in uh, two minutes, try to give you a capsulization of what God was after. And you can see this in Leviticus chapter 26 if you uh, read through uh, verses 11 through 13. But God's basic intent was to gather his people into the land that he had promised and to pour out his blessings, material and spiritual, on his people. 
When this people, as they walk with God faithfully, according to His law, would receive the blessing of God in every area of their lives, then God would be demonstrating His goodness, His faithfulness, and His greatness to all those around it. The nations around about who looked at this nation that was so successful, so fruitful, so wonderfully blessed, they would say, hey, what's your secret? You know, you don't live like us. You don't steal. You don't, you don't kill. You don't do all the things that we do. You don't worship our gods. And yet, everything works for you. You have everything you need. No one can defeat you. And you just seem to go on in perfect harmony and peace. And then Israel would say, well, we worship the Lord our God. He's the creator of heaven and earth. And as we walk in His way, He pours out His blessings upon us. And they would say, well, is there any way we can get in on this? And Israel would say, of course. Let us teach you about the Lord our God and how to walk with Him as we do. And then as the nations became followers of the one true God and walked in His ways, God would pour out His blessing on them. And then the next circle of nations would say, hey, you, Gentile nations, uh, you you guys have changed. You don't act. You know, we used to be our partners. We used to have treaties. We used to go on robbing uh, expeditions together. And no, no, everything's changed now. We've We've got the blessing without all that. How did you get it? Well, it's through the God of Israel, but, you know, go ask the Jews. They know. And then the Jewish people would go and tell them, and the circle would expand so that ultimately the blessing which was poured out on Israel in the land would reach all the families of the earth. That was the goal. And, of course, all that was contingent on us receiving the blessing of God, which, of course, had to do with walking in His ways, knowing Him truly. Now, that being said... When we go back to our psalm, God is explaining, or the, the psalmist is actually uh, requesting that God will fulfill His blessing on His people in order that, verse 2, that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. He says, I want your purpose to be fulfilled. And I know that we're the key. Bless us so that we can shine your light to everyone, so that we can tell them and show them how great you truly are. And then there's a, uh, in verses 3 through 5, there's a, there's a song. There is a, a, a paean of praise. And this is actually a fulfillment of what will happen when all the nations know the way of God, when all the nations know the salvation of the Lord. Verse 3 says, Let the peoples praise you, O God. It probably should be translated as a future. Then the peoples will praise you, O God. Then all the peoples will praise you. All the nations will be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the, na the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. This call of praise is probably a statement as what will happen when the nations know the Lord, when they finally realize who He is. And it says the people are, all the people will praise God, first of all, with gladness and joy. And that's important because this is not the cry of a subject people. This is not someone that God is stomped on. They say, oh, you're the greatest God. We got to admit it, you know, as we gasp our dying breath. No, this is a people who has experience who God is in His goodness as well as His greatness. 
And therefore they rejoice to worship Him. And He gives us two reasons why the nations will rejoice and sing for joy. Number one, for you judge the peoples with righteousness. The word to judge usually has the, the, the concept of ruling, like the judges of the book of Judges. They are the ones who lead the people, who guide them. And it includes a judicial aspect, but it also just includes leading them in righteousness, in the, in the right way, in the way which leads to blessing. That's the way God wants to lead the nations, just as He wants to lead Israel in His righteous ways. And secondly, it says, and you guide the nations on the earth. So God is a ruler in righteousness, and He guides all the nations. This is the, uh, the, the fact of what God does. Now the Gentiles recognize it. Now that they know the way of God and His salvation, they can praise Him joyfully because He's a great and a good God who wants to bless the nations. He's not interested in, in squashing the nations. He's interested in blessing them, that they might know Him and His salvation so that His salvation might fill the entire earth. That will come as God fully blesses His people in the land. So in verse 5, he then says, and this probably should be translated as a request, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. In other words, bring this about, O Lord. Make this happen. Bring about the day that all the nations recognize your goodness and greatness and just want to worship you with joy. Having said this, he backs, comes back to the nation of Israel. As he began with us in the beginning... God, be gracious to us and bless us. Now he comes back and says, God is blessing us. We can, we can right now praise God because he's showing us his blessing. Verse 6, the earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. We can already see that happening. And then he adds, may God bless us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. He is blessing us now all the blessings that God has given us. And we have all experienced the goodness of God in many ways. We oftentimes only relate to those things that hurt or scratch or in some other way are painful to us. But in fact, if we would focus on the things that God has actually blessed us with, we would have a list that wouldn't end. And the psalmist recognizes that. God, he says, you have caused the earth to yield its produce. You are blessing us And in the light of that token of blessing, he says, may God bless us all the more. May may bless us to the full in order that all the ends of the earth may fear him. When we think about our own lives, we think about the way that God is working to bless and to care for us. He does that for a purpose, that we might share his light, his life, and his salvation to all those who are around us. When they ask, how is it that you're managing when you've had these different things happening in your life which maybe aren't so great? I say, well, God is with me. He's, he's holding me up. It's not easy, but God is ever faithful. We can be a testimony to His goodness. We can share the life and the light of the Lord as He has blessed us. And when we think about this in terms of the nation of Israel, uh, I think one of the great challenges that we face today is that the world is not interested in Israel being blessed. 
The world is not interested in seeing the Jewish people in the land of Israel thriving and expanding and the like. But I want to say that in spite of all that, God is blessing his people right now. The earth is bringing forth its produce there in the land of Israel. Um, just to say briefly, uh, Joan and I came to uh, Israel in the early 70s for the first time, before we made Aliyah. And when we came, Joan was involved, this was before we had met one another, Joan was involved in a Messianic congregation in Jerusalem. She was involved in the Messianic community. I was a university student. I, was, I only knew non-believers. I didn't even know there were believers in the land. But Joan was hanging with them. And during that time, there were approximately 200 believers in the entire country. Uh, five, maybe ten maximum congregations throughout the entire country. When they had a youth gathering, a youth gathering was anything, anyone under 35, then you had uh, maybe eight or ten people. There were four or five Israeli believers serving in the army at a given time. It was a very small, it was a very um, nascent, beginning uh, community of Messianic believers in the land. And during that time, uh, most believers were primarily concerned with continuing to walk with the Lord in a situation where they felt really under the gun. There was a lot of resistance on uh, the part of uh, the average Israeli. They did not look favorably on Messianic Jewish believers. And so if one could keep walking in faith and see your children walk in faith, boy, you felt like you were a great success. Um, times changed. You know, in the 1980s, God started bringing a number of native-born Israelis to faith, usually outside the country or in a lot, which is almost like being outside the country. And these young people who came to faith, they had been born and raised in the land. They did not have the, uh, the immigrant mentality that most of the believers had had until then. Immigrants are worried about being accepted, being considered real Israelis. And so they have other considerations. Some could be worried about losing their status in the land. Uh, but the native-born Israelis, huh, I'm Israeli, I was born here. What are you going to tell me, I'm not Israeli, that I'm not Jewish? And moreover, Israelis are known to speak their minds. And so when these folks came back, filled with fire of the Lord, they just started going out on the streets and telling people about the Lord. And Israelis started listening. People started to come to faith. During this period of the 80s, there was also a large wave of immigration, actually late 70s and early 80s. Immigration largely from the States, from some other Western countries, here and there from other places as well. Um, so the Messianic community started to grow. In the 90s, we had a million uh, former uh, citizens of the Soviet Union who made Aliyah to Israel. Some came as believers. Many came open to faith because they had come from a religiously oppressed situation where no religion was tolerated, where even the church was basically kept uh, down. And as a result, they had not suffered a lot of persecution from the church as had happened in so many Christian countries. So these Russian speakers coming into the land were quite open to hearing about the possibility that there is a God and that Yeshua could be the Messiah for Israel. And there were many who came to faith during that period. More and more congregations were being established at this time.
Um, in, the, in the year 2000 to 2010, we had a number of uh, years of fruitful outreach at New Age festivals. I know I've shared with you in the past, I won't go into that. But during these festivals, more and more young people were hearing the gospel. Many were coming to faith. Many were being exposed, and there was a normalization going on of Messianic Jewish believers to a certain extent. Um, and those things, those festivals ended in 2010. But during this whole period, the Lord had been expanding and growing His body in the land. The Lord has been blessing as the land brings forth its fruit. So that today we can easily speak of around 10,000 believers, Messianic believers in the land, uh, over a hundred Messianic congregations spread throughout the country. Um, most uh, or at least many Israelis who are not believers have heard of Messianic Jewish people who believe that Yeshua is the Messiah and that are really committed to, um, they are, as a, as a people, are open to the fact that, yes, there are these people living among us, they're good citizens and the like. In fact, for many years, um, when young Israeli uh, young Israelis went into the army. There was no way they were going to be accepted into elite units or into the intelligence units because they were considered suspect because of their beliefs. In the last 10 years, maybe a little bit more, that has not been the case. In fact, both of my daughters served in Modi'in, in the intelligence service, and um, in very sensitive positions. And they were recognized up front as being Messianic Jewish believers and proud of it. Um, today, by the way, we probably have between three and four hundred Messianic Jewish believers serving in the army at any given time. And this is an amazing thing when you think about it, because the army is the melting pot for Israel. It's where virtually all Israelis come for two to three years of their life to serve the country. And as they're coming together, you have a mix of people from every part of the country and from every level of society. And they're all coming together and they're rubbing shoulders regularly with Messianic Jewish believers. We're talking about third and sometimes fourth generation believers in the land. So there's no immigrant mentality here. They are totally confident as believers that they are Jewish-Israeli believers in Yeshua. And therefore, they are perfectly confident in sharing their faith um, in, in these situations. And the Lord is using this in a remarkable way. Because, as I said, as people are coming from all the uh, areas of the country and every area of society, they are meeting and hearing from Messianic Jewish believers. They are being challenged to consider that Yeshua is a viable Jewish option for the Israeli Jewish people. And, and many are listening. Some are coming to faith. But even those who are not going, uh, coming to faith are going back out after the army. And they're going into the universities, and they're going into business, and they're going into professions, and they're going into every area of Israeli life and back to every part of the country with a completely different view of Messianic Jews and therefore of Yeshua himself. Um, I don't know... Uh, what the Lord will do in the days, weeks, and years to come. But I believe the Lord is laying a tremendous amount of seed down in a very fruitful time in the lives of these people. In their 18 to 22 year range, they are hearing over time and seeing 
a people who are blessed by God, these Messianic Jewish believers, they are seeing that blessing, and it's a challenge to them to receive the blessing that God would have for our people as a whole. So as the psalmist says, the earth is bringing forth his fruit. God is blessing our people. God is blessing our people. Uh, these days, a lot of what outreach is going on in Israel has to do uh, with the use of the Internet. Um, and the Internet is one of the prime ways in which people receive information, particularly those 40 and unders. Um, They'll receive information, they'll search for things, and we have a number of Messianic Jewish websites which are specially geared to different segments of society. One of them is called iGod. I, I think I've mentioned this to you before, iGod.co.il. It's in Hebrew, so if you know Hebrew, you can use it. But this is a, uh, a site which will pop up invariably on the top few of the list if someone searched for Messiah, spirituality, God, or the like. Uh, certainly Yeshua will pop up there too. And so you'll have people from every uh, sec uh, segment of society, even some of those who would be orthodox or even ultra-orthodox, those who use computers, have been using this site to read the New Testament in Hebrew online, to ask questions anonymously about faith in Yeshua, and to raise their questions and and there have been those who have come to faith from various segments of society. So the Lord is really using this in a remarkable way. And by the way, uh, for all of you who are uh, into Facebook and other kinds of social media, um, if you want to make friends with Israelis, there are a lot of them out there who would be very interested in corresponding with people from the States. They know English pretty well because of the Internet and movies and music and everything else. Um, you can have a very viable witness, and you can build a relationship. Uh, it's like pen pals. It, you know, a hundred years ago they used to do it with paper and stamps, um, but it's a way in which you too can be in contact and be a witness, even to people in Israel, as well as obviously people around in the states. But I just I wanted to make it plain: the Lord is really blessing. Um, he is blessing in terms of outreach and the growth of the body. He's blessing in the in the area of building up the body in the knowledge of His Word and in their uh, training for ministry in the land. One of the most important things for I think many of us uh, in the in the land today, particularly those in spiritual leadership, is we want to see more and more Israeli Jewish believers going to school, learning a profession, getting a good job, even being professionals, and being a visible light throughout the world. We don't want to just train, you know, Jewish missionaries, as they would say, the term, but rather to be the light of God wherever we are. So many people will never encounter the guy passing out tracks on a street corner, but they're rubbing shoulders, or they could, rub shoulders with believers every day if those people are in their job, in their workplace, in their business, in their university, etc. And so we're really encouraging that kind of growth uh, among believers, but we do want the believers who go into the world, into the professions, into the university system, to be grounded in their faith, to know what they believe and why, and to be able to share it, ironically, sensitively, with our people. And so one of the areas that uh, Gary mentioned that I'm involved with is the Israel College of the Bible. Now, this is a school that's been around for 20-plus years now. And I, off and on, was uh, teaching adjunct 
uh, classes here and there. But about 10 years ago, there was a major change took place in which the school really returned to its roots, which was to train Israeli believers in the Bible, both as part of raising up leadership for the next generation, but also simply equipping believers to be strong witnesses in their communities, in the land of Israel, in their congregations, and, and, and throughout, the, throughout the world. Um, and so what we have been doing is, um, starting uh, 10 years ago, we have uh, a one-year program called the uh, First Fruits, or Bikurim program, which is a one-year program that any Israeli can, uh, after the army can come into. They'll get a survey of the whole Bible, a survey of theology, a survey of crucial topics like messianic prophecy or ministry skills, youth work, all sorts of things throughout one year, after which, you know, go to the university, go ahead, you've got some good foundations. Many decide, hey, I'd like to continue studying. Maybe I'll, I'll go ahead and complete the bachelor's degree in biblical studies. That's okay too. But the, the key thing is being able to train people who uh, are going to be going back into the world. Those who do continue, maybe God has put a call on their life to be involved in, in ministry in a more vocational way. Then we want to equip them for that as well. Let me just say that the college for many years had, I would say, four or five Israelis taking one or two classes a semester over a long period of time. Beginning about 10 years ago, we suddenly had a jump uh, when we started this program and another to about 35 students. All of a sudden, 35 full-time Israeli-believing students uh, studying at the college. Um, Last year we had 65 students. This year we have over 100. Um, the Lord is blessing in this area as well. People are being challenged to know the Word. They're being given the tools to dig into it for themselves. They're entering into discussions and, and great arguments over theological points. And everyone's being able to sharpen one another as we learn to deal with God's Word and to apply it in life. We have Jewish believers uh, in our in our program, we also have Arab Israeli believers who are studying together with us, and together the I would say 80, 80 out of the hundred uh, believers in the college right now are Israeli um, Jews. Maybe about ten are Israeli Arabs, and we have about ten expatriates. In the we have a one year program in English. Anyone interested, call me. Um, but but the Lord is blessing. And with this dynamic of uh, second, third, and fourth generation believers, we have more and more young people growing up in the land as believers. We're, we're just looking for the college also to expand greatly. One of the important things about this, and I know I need to end, is that for, for many, many years, the vast majority of those who were leading Messianic congregations had never had the opportunity, the privilege really, of formal biblical studies. There were a few, a handful, who had, but the vast majority had not. They were good men doing the best they could with the tools that they had and following the Lord in His Word. But they would tell you, boy, I only wish that I had had at least something, a little bit more, of equipping so that I might be able to serve my congregation better or more effectively in my ministry. The Lord is making that possible now. And I think that this bodes extremely well for the Messianic Jewish community as a whole in Israel because as the leadership 
And those ministering become stronger and more biblically based and more effective in their ministry. Our congregations will be stronger. From the young people on up, we'll be growing with good foundations in the Word and really knowing how to walk with God in, in, a, in faithfulness and in fruitfulness uh, among our people. And also, when the, the uh, non-believing Israelis begin to put their faith in Yeshua and we see a turning, we're going to have more and more equipped people who can work with them, meet with them, mentor them through the obstacles of coming to a committed lifestyle of faith and discipleship uh, following Yeshua the Messiah. So, you know, our psalm says at the end, may God bless us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. God is blessing, but there's a lot more blessing that we need to be praying for. That he will outpour, pour out his blessing on our people uh, spiritually, who will come to know him. And in our day, uh, we need to pray also for God's special blessing on our people because there are many who do not want to see Israel blessed. Um, I will mention one other thing for a prayer request, and then uh, I will close. Um, in uh, the month of March, there is going to be the third biannual Christ at the Checkpoint conference. Have any of you heard of these conferences? The conference is sponsored by the Bethlehem Bible College. They are basically conferences designed to turn evangelicals against Israel and in favor of the Palestinians in a very twisted and inaccurate presentation of the situation, uh, situation in the Middle East today. Um, they are organizing this conference, and it is growing year by year, and it's having more and more influence um, in the evangelical world, particularly in the United States, which is the bedrock of Israel's support uh, in, in the world. Um, and it is also, um, they are trying to draw in Messianic Jewish leaders from Israel to participate in the conference. Now, some of these folks, again, I think if they knew the word a little bit more clearly, they would see this. There's, they should not be there. But they can be swayed. They can be swayed by friendships. They can be swayed by, by, oh, we love you. We just want to be together in unity. But in fact, they will be used, if they go, as window dressing to try to legitimize the anti-Israel pronouncements that will come out of this conference. So I'd like to ask you to pray. This is something that's really a burden on my heart. Pray that the Lord will bless his people by preventing Messianic Jews from taking part in this conference and that God would stymie all the attempts to take the blessing away from Israel and to give it to any other people because God will not bless all the nations of the earth until he has poured out his blessing in full on our people, the people of Israel. So as we pray for that blessing, as we pray this psalm, we do so with a view that all the nations might be saved, that all the nations might know God. That's God's purpose too. That's God's heart. The way to that is, first of all, by pouring out his blessing on his people, and then through his people, through us, his people, sharing that light, sharing that life with the world around us. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you that you are a faithful God. You have promised to bless, and you will bless. And while there are those who stand against you, Father, and would oppose your plan for blessing Israel and through Israel the world, we pray, Father, that you would show yourself the mighty and great God and overcome 
every obstacle. We pray, Father, for the salvation of Israel. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray that you would make us, Lord, as Messianic Jewish believers and as Messianic Gentile believers, light to your people and to the peoples in this place. And we thank you, Father, that we can count on you. You who are blessing will bless that all the ends of the earth might fear your name. Thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our message. We hope that it serves to encourage you in your walk with the Lord and your service to Him. Do remember us in your prayers. And if you are able to provide a financial donation to Beth Ariel, whether large or small, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift in support of our ministry? You can donate online through our website at BethAriel.org. That is spelled B-E-T-H-A-R-I-E-L dot org. Thank you again, and may our Heavenly Father richly bless you as you continue to follow Him. Shalom, shalom.